Yes, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A very happy Wednesday to you all, one and all. If you are joining us just barely, it's grateful to have you. It's good to have uh, our listeners, wherever you are right now, in the car, at home, streaming us, or listening wherever else you can. Did I already say you're in the car? I probably did, huh? Uh, Audrey Salas here. Eric Franson is on the island of San Diego, enjoying the beautiful weather. Uh, he'll be back next week, so you are stuck with me. Today, tomorrow, and Friday. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> in the first hour, we took care of some business, especially Mountain News notes. Uh, of course, we did forget to mention Mike Bobo and Carl Stout. I'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, but uh, the All-Mountain West team came out, the honors for all conference teams and individual honors, Offensive Player of the Year was Josh Love from uh, the QB from San Jose State. Defensive Player of the Year, no surprise here, Curtis Weaver Jr. for Boise State. Uh, Special Teams Player of the Year was Boise State's return specialist, Avery Williams. He's a junior. Freshman of the Year, Boise State. George Alani, the running back, Coach of the Year. Hawaii's Nick Rolovich. Man, it's crazy that Brian Hartson has not yet won that thing. Like, what does that guy have to do to get an award? I mean, seriously. The crap is everybody's problem. Uh, Utah State had 10 honorees in the, uh, in, in the uh, all-conference team awards. They had three on the first team in Dominic Everly to play as kicker, kick returner, save on Scarver, and defensive linebacker, how about this one, David Woodward, uh, was also named to the first team. The All-Mountain West football second team uh, had C.O.C. Mariner on the offensive side and had Tipinale on the defensive side. And then there was five honorable mentions including Shaq Bond, Jordan Love, Chris Unga, Gerald Bright, and Caleb Rep. That was your All-Mountain West Conference honorees for Utah State. How about that, though? San Jose State's quarterback, Josh Love, winning Offensive Player of the Year. Wow. I, 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 thought, I just thought it would be Air Force, right? I really thought it would be Air Force. But I'm guessing because of the way they share the ball, right, um, probably not. I mean, you have like six different running backs. You have a really good quarterback, and all of them do damage. It's And, and by the way, it is an absolute shame, absolute shame that Air Force doesn't get to compete for the Mountain West Championship against Boise State. Hawaii, with all due respect, should not be in there. I think you can agree with me. A football team with three losses in your conference should not be in the in division or the conference championship. It should be Air Force and Boise State. Give the fans what they want. Give us a legit Mountain West Conference Championship. Because this isn't legit. This is fake. This is horrible. It's garbage. No offense, Hawaii. I'm sorry. But we want to see Air Force and Boise State again. With a healthy Hammond as quarterback. For Air Force. Unreal. Alright, uh, we're going to get into some Utah State basketball news. They get ready for San Jose State Spartans tonight, 9.15pm. Uh, 8.15 is pregame on KVNU with Al Lewis and Jalen Moore. Postgame is after, immediately after the game. 
Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, and John Russell. Make sure you tune into that. Uh, so we'll get into some Aggie news, or at least some Aggie notes about the uh, the basketball team getting ready for San Jose State uh, here later in the hour. But I want to hit on a couple of things. One, let's get to Mike Bobo. The uh, Colorado State, well, no, former Colorado State uh, coach who has been let go. Um, it was a, uh, I guess it was an agreement to step down. And so that leaves, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that is 10 vacancies open in Division One football. Not kidding. I think that's number 10. Because uh, I didn't count USC, knowing that Clay Helton hadn't officially left, and now he's officially back. By the way, that's a crap show in itself. If you don't, if you have a Twitter account, you should go to the AD's Twitter account and uh, and look up uh, and look up his tweet announcing that they're going to keep Clay Helton. You should see the ratio of positive to negative tweets about the announcement from USC fans. It's crazy. Uh, here, okay, so with Mike Bobo, here was the payment schedule for Colorado State and Mike Bobo, right? I mean, it was amazing that the Rams were able to get this cut down to uh, 1.82 point or yeah, 1.825 million. All right, so 608,334 dollars on June 30th of 2020. Same amount on June 30th of 2021. Same amount on June 30th of 2022. So I'm not a genius with math. But they cut it down to 1.825 million for Coach Bobo on the agreement to let him go. Now he was 29 and 35 in five years at Colorado State. The, The offense wasn't the problem. And in fact, if I'm not crazy, Mike Bobo is probably going to be in high demand for his offensive IQ uh, within the next few weeks, based on all the switching that's going around in the college football world. By the way, uh, a Georgia beat writer, because remember, uh, he was a former Georgia offensive coordinator, was Bobo, and so... Jake Roos of the UGA Sportscom and uh, Rivals Network for a uh, covers the Georgia Bulldogs, right? UGA fans, do you want Bobo back? And it's a poll vote. Are you ready? I'm going to vote. Should I vote yes? I'm going to vote yes. Let's see what the person... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so the, the question from Jake Roos was, uh, Georgia fans, do you want Bobo back? I push yes. 82% say yes. 18% say no. They want the guy back. One response is, I remember a time where everyone hated Bobo, even when he had the SEC leading points per game. Being an OC for Georgia is tough. Uh, Brash Dixon says, well, he could help in the SEC championship as they face LSU. I don't think that's going to help you there, big guy. Uh, one says, not really. Did anyone watch his offenses at, uh, CSU? They didn't exactly set the world on fire. 
One says, I couldn't possibly fathom anyone not wanting to bring him back in some form with the state of our offense. For some folks, it's Chip Kelly or Bust. Ooh. Uh, another one says, all these people were screaming fire Bobo when he was here. Uh, another one says, a lot of short memories around here. He was about to be run out of town by fans with pitchforks not long ago. So it's... Uh, one person says, and I'm quoting here, so don't yell at me. One says, yes, but if he runs the damn ball. Uh, so a mixed reaction, but on a poll vote, 82% said yes to 18 of wanting Bobo back in Georgia. Imagine that, man. He gets filed, for, he gets, well, he gets let go from Colorado State in an agreement that was mutual. Takes $1.825 million with him, and now could end up going back to Georgia. And doubling that salary, whatever he made at uh, Colorado State. Unreal. Unreal. Now, who would go to Colorado State? I said it about two weeks ago. I think Jay Hill is a very likable candidate at Colorado State. Great coach. He's doing great things with Weber State. They had a bye. Um, and get ready for playoff talk this week. Um, and so, I think Jay Hill would be a good fit. I do. Now, now, that's there is no sources. There is no credit to that comment. There is no one telling me a dang thing about it. I'm just speaking from strictly... Directly, specifically, my own brain, that I think Mike Bobo would be, or excuse me, not Mike Bobo, Jay Hill would be a good head coach at Colorado State. I really do. I'm grateful for Coach Gary Anderson. I think Jay Hill would have been a great fit here, too. Jay Hill will be a good fit wherever he goes, except for New Mexico and Las Vegas. <clears throat> That doesn't fit his style. Again, Mike Bobo was uh, let go. The buyout was negotiated from $5.5 million to $1.82 million, according to Breckman Murphy. All right. I want to get to the real problem at hand here in college football. Serious problem, actually. Uh, where is it? So the rankings for the NCAA college football playoff came out yesterday, last night. Here's how it stands right now. Going from, let's go one through five. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, LSU. Number three, Clemson. Number four, Georgia. Number five, Utah. Number six, Oklahoma. Number seven, Baylor. We'll stop there because everybody else from there doesn't really affect the playoff in any way. Even if Wisconsin beats Ohio State, Wisconsin's not jumping up four spots. And Ohio State, by the way, to be very blunt with you, is not dropping three spots. Honestly, they're not. 
There's no way. Unless it's a 59 nothing win for Wisconsin, which it's not going to be, Ohio State is not dropping. So one Ohio State, two LSU, three Clemson, four Georgia, five Utah, six Sooners, seven Baylor. By the way, and just for side note here, uh, Boise State is at 19, so they've only moved up one spot. Memphis is at 17, Cincinnati is at 20. If Cincinnati beats Memphis, they're most likely going to leap Boise State. Unless Boise State beats Hawaii 61 to nothing. Boise State's got to win their game and win it in convincing fashion. No matter what happens with Memphis and Cincinnati. Because if Cincinnati beats Memphis, i got a feeling that they're going to put Cincinnati over Boise State. If Memphis wins, it's already in the Cotton Bowl. It's, it's already done. It's shaken, stirred, and drink. Okay. Back to the top five. Back to a team specifically. Utah is ranked number five. This is rightfully so. Look, Aggie fans, I understand you hate Utah. You don't like them. You think they are mean people. They are annoying. They are rude. They are selfish. They are arrogant. Yes, you are totally right. But guess what? They are a darn good football team. In fact... They are one of the most dangerous teams in the country behind Ohio State and LSU. They are the third best team in the country. I don't care what the rankings say. They are the third best team in the country right now. They've scored 20 plus points in every single game. And in all their wins, or excuse me, in all but one of their wins, they have scored 30-plus points. In fact, in their loss, they scored 30-plus points. To USC, they lost... No, sorry, they scored 20-plus points. Excuse me, they lost 30-23. They beat ASU, right? At the time, it was ranked 17th, 21-3. Look at their schedule. And it wasn't great. It wasn't saucy. It doesn't, it doesn't seduce you into saying, hey, put them at 3 but it's an attractive football team on the field. They beat BYU 30-12, NIU 35-17, Idaho State 31-0. Look, there's a reason I'm going through this, so bear with me. They lost to USC 30-23 at USC in the Coliseum. They beat Washington State 38-13, Oregon State 52-7, Arizona State 21-3, Cal 35-0, Washington 33-28, uh, UCLA 49-3, Arizona 35-7, Colorado State 45-15, you get my picture. They now face Oregon at 6 p.m. on ABC in the Pac-12 title game. This, on the field, is an incredibly great product of football to watch. They are the, again, I'll say it one more time, third best team in the country behind Ohio State and LSU. Absolutely. <clears throat> no doubt. So, with that, and in saying that, Paul Feinbaum, he is an SEC homer. What Ben Criddle is to the BYU Cougars, Paul Feinbaum is to the whole entire SEC conference. Is it Finnebaum or Feinbaum? I'm going to call him Feinbaum. In fact, he doesn't even have his, deserve to have his name said correctly. 
So Paul Feibaum is on the uh, Get Up show this morning, and the question comes out about Utah and Oklahoma's results in the conference title games, and if they were the results were to go as expected, what would happen in result of that? Here's Mike Greenberg, here's Mike Greenberg with Paul Feinbaum on the Get Up Show this morning. Do we have to start getting used to this? Is the era of Nick Saban dominating college football? That's not what I'm looking for, that fetcher. Hold on. Where the crap is that tweet? If they deleted it, I'm going to lose my mind. Hold on. Hold on. Here he is. That fetcher. All right. Here we go. Mike Greenberg, Paul Feinbaum. Plug your ears, you fans. Let me give you, Paul Feinbaum, the following scenarios, okay? Oklahoma beats Baylor and wins the Big 12. Utah beats Oregon and wins the Pac-12. And LSU takes care of business against Georgia. Who gets the fourth spot? Oklahoma's getting in. Because let's be honest, the country does not want to see Utah in the college football playoff. It's, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's Utah. <laughs> so, I got, I got news for you. Oklahoma ain't going to be any better. <laughs> well... They may not be any better, but they're going to look a lot better. Well, so that actually does bring up something you said in the meeting this morning. That whoever gets in at four, you believe, is just in for a beatdown. Whoever gets in at four, congratulations, you made the college football playoff. You will have no impact on the playoff. Okay, let me get... Wow. Are you kidding me? Mr. Paul Feinbaum of the SEC. You moron. Oklahoma's getting in. Because let's be honest, the country does not want to see Utah in the college football playoff. It's, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's Utah. Who are you to speak for the rest of the college football nation? Who the fetch are you to speak for Pac-12, for Big Ten, for... Oh my gosh, you know what? Who are you to speak for like the rest of the SEC? Man, you run an SEC, like, show, and you're a homer of the SEC. doesn't mean you freaking speak for Bama or anybody. Who are you to say that, for the country, that the country doesn't want to see Utah? Seriously! It blows my mind. They're like, this, this is amazing that he said this. I'm... I'm stunned. Because let's be honest, the country does not want to see Utah. You're not the country! You don't speak for the Pac-12, man. You're, you're telling me, because you said country, so you're telling me that Utah doesn't want to see their own team in the college football playoff? You said country. So that includes Utah, by the way. You're telling me the Pac-12 doesn't want to see Utah in the college football playoff? You said country. Oregon, Washington, Washington State, Cal, USC, UCLA. They don't want to see Utah in the college football playoff because you're an SEC swallower? Give me a break. And then what, what annoys me even more is this. Better. <laughs> well, 
They may not be any better, be any better, but they're going to look a lot better. Well, so th that actually does bring up something you said in the meeting this morning. Yeah. That whoever gets in at four, you believe, is just in for a beatdown. Whoever gets in at four, congratulations, you made the college football playoff. You will have no impact on the playoffs. Oh, give me a break. I remember in 2009, in fact, hold on, hold on, I've got this. Do you remember in 2009 when uh, when Alabama had lost in the SEC championship to Florida, Tim Tebow, and so they had a date with Kyle Whittingham and the Utah Utes? You remember this? Uh... Hold on, where is this dang thing? I'm going to find this. And do you remember what the whole entire world said? Here we go. Are you ready for this? This is going to be fun. Let's, let, let, let's reflex the memory. This is back in uh, 2000, 2009. In 13 straight games. Now, on the other side of the ball, Alabama's offense features the run. They've scored 32 touchdowns on the ground compared to four by the opponents. That's a good-looking football team that tied. You know, it was down in the Superdome. Alabama's last visit to the Sugar Bowl was the capper to that 1992 national championship season. 90 yeah, no, that, that was right. a big win for us. Leroy Horde got the MVP That's of the right, game. Yeah. Loses the Sir, I'm just trying to find where Lee Corso goes on this rant. That uh, Utah doesn't belong. And that it was going to be an absolute smoke. Well, then in the first quarter, Utah's up 21 nothing. I couldn't find the clip. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, so, 10 years ago... <laughs> 10 years ago, Bama played Utah in the Sugar Bowl. And Bama got beat badly by Utah. And everybody was like, oops, our bad, sorry. You're still not national champs, but man, good game against Alabama. And then there was this excuse of, look, well, Bama didn't want to be there because they were in the Sugar Bowl and they lost to Tim Tebow and the Gators. Should have been the national championship, yada, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. But for Paul Feinbaum and, and this crew to say, well, if they get to the four seed, whoever gets there is going to get beaten badly by LSU. How do you know? How the fetch do you know? You don't. You have no idea what you're talking about. You give Kyle Whittingham two weeks to prepare for a bowl game? That's not good for you, buddy. Kyle Whittingham being given two weeks is an eternity to come up with a good game plan. A great game plan. So that's that's unreal. I it just it really annoys me that Paul Feinbaum can have a microphone in his in his mouth and be able to speak on national television on a podium. He shouldn't. He shouldn't at all. It, it's embarrassing. It's, it's extremely embarrassing. And then he gets away with it, too. Like, and then he came out and said, who deserves a fourth spot more? Georgia, Utah, or Oklahoma? He enjoys this. 
he enjoys talking like a moron and then getting just blasted for it by the world. I Here's my prediction. Oklahoma's going to beat Baylor. Georgia's going to lose to LSU. I the only game that matters for Utah is Georgia losing to LSU. Oregon's ranked 13th in the college football playoff ranking. Are you with Utah being ranked 5 right now? You're telling me that even if Utah wins the Pac-12 title game, that they take an Oklahoma winner over Utah in the 14 playoff? Simply because Oklahoma beat Baylor? That's what we'd be going off of. Is that Oklahoma beat Baylor. We're not looking at Utah beating Oregon. We're ignoring that. Is that correct? Now, if Georgia wins, they're in. And LSU's in, too, by the way. LSU's not moving. Okay, they remember dropping a spot, but they're not leaving that top four. So you need Georgia to lose. And some are saying that if Georgia loses by three, that they're still in. No, uh-uh, nuh-uh, not happening. You don't take a two-loss SEC Georgia team over a one-loss conference champion. You don't do that. And if they do, we know that it's incredibly biased as a playoff committee and that Paul Feinbaum is probably in the committee itself. There's no way you can take that, though. I like Utah to get into the 14 playoff based on the fact that I think Georgia loses to LSU. I don't care. Whatever happens with Oklahoma-Baylor happens. But I think if Utah beats Oregon... 6 p.m. on ABC. That. And Georgia loses to LSU that Utah's in. And then. And then. We'll see who's really smacking around who. In that in that first round game between LSU and. Or Ohio State and. Uh, and Utah. Or LSU and Utah. Whoever it is. It's one of those two teams. Paul Feinbaum, I need you to extend your arm as far out in front of you as possibly can. Put your hand into a ball of fist. And then release it with full speed towards your face. And do that until you have knocked yourself uh, out of the craziness that you are in. Or is that impossible to do as an SEC homer? I can tell you this. It didn't work for Ben Cradle. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Andre Salas here on the Full Court Press, December 4th. It's a Wednesday halfway through the week. And thanks for letting me go on that rant. I just was so annoyed by Paul. I just, I had to lose my mind there for a little bit. So, I apologize if I chased you away for 30 to 45 seconds. 
I'm good, though. I'm good now. Thanks to you for uh, sitting through and listening to me here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, Utah State Aggies tonight take on San Jose State Spartans. San Jose State 3-5 and five on the year. Aggies 7-1. and one. Coming off that loss to St. Mary's, 81-73. By the way, that game was a lot better. I mean, that game was so well played for the Aggies. They didn't have Cuba. They didn't have Keta. And they still balled out. Still played extremely well. And, you know, it, it was a physical game. You knew it was going to be physical with St. Mary's. You knew this game was going to go the 15-round knockout fight, right? And, and St. Mary's just kept coming and coming, and Utah State kept throwing haymakers left and right, trying to take down this uh, Gales team, and just a great basketball game all around. 81-73, Gales win the game, though. After falling 0-1 on the season to Winthrop, now St. Mary's has won 7 straight. Utah State got some much-needed rest. Now they're right back into it. I mean, they're in San Jose State tonight, home against Fresno on Saturday at 4 o'clock, then St. Catherine on Tuesday night, and then you, uh, you've got BYU at the Beehive Classic in Vivint Smart Home Arena on Saturday evening at 6 next week. So, a lot of good basketball all the way around in that St. Mary's loss for the Aggies. Really, it was. And, and it truly was. It was good basketball all the way around. I was, I was incredibly impressed with, uh, with uh, Utah State and, and not having the size. Look, if Namias plays, I'm going to be honest right now. If Namias plays, Utah State wins by 12, 13 points. I'm not even kidding you. I know that's frustrating to hear, but it's true. If they win, if he plays, they win by 13. But they're being cautious, and understandably so. Uh, so they are taking their, their, uh, their sweet time. All right, looking at the schedule tonight. Or excuse me, yeah, tonight uh, in the Mountain West. Uh, it's all conference games, by the way. So Air Force is at Wyoming. San Diego State's at Colorado State. Boise State's at New Mexico. UNLV at Fresno State. Santa Clara at Nevada. So that's not a conference game. But in Utah State will cap off the night at San Jose State. Again, that game's on ESPN2. And ESPNU. 9.15 Mountain Time. And then on Saturday... Nevada's at Air Force, UNLV's at BYU, Colorado State at Boise, Fresno State's at Utah State, and New Mexico's at Wyoming. And then Sunday, San Jose State would be at San Diego State. So that's what you're seeing there in regards to the, of, uh, the Mount West Conference action here uh, coming up. Now, last week, uh, if let's see, San Diego State beat Tennessee State, 62-49. New Mexico lost to Auburn, 84-59. That was this was on Monday, by the way. Nevada over Bowling Green, 77-62, and New Mexico State beat Colorado State, 78-70 in overtime. 
Uh, and then on Tuesday, UNLV beat Jackson State. TCU beat Wyoming by uh, 17. New Mexico beat Wisconsin by 9, 59-50. And Colorado State beat Loyola Chicago 61-60. And then Colorado State beat New Washington State the next night, 79-69. While San Jose State fell to Oregon, 83-48. Yikes. That was in Las Vegas, by the way. Uh, and then San Jose State beat uh, Creighton, 83-52 on Thursday. St. Mary's beat Utah State, 81-73, as already mentioned. Boise State over North Carolina-Wilmington, 80-59. And San Jose State beat Iowa, 83-70. And then last Saturday, Cincinnati over UNLV, 72-55 in, or excuse me, 72-65 in overtime. And CSU Northridge beat Fresno State, 73-72, for the Northridge's first win of the season. And then on Sunday, New Mexico beat Montana. That's, that's Montana Tech, 72. No, sorry, Montana. 72-63, Air Force over Jackson State, 76-52, Colorado State over Utah Valley, 92-61, and UCLA over San Jose State, 93-64. This San Jose State team is really rough around the edges, extremely rough around the edges. Um, just trying to find some numbers here on San Jose State specifically. Individual numbers. Well, I guess team more so team numbers than anything. Um, yeah, there's nothing there. Never mind. Forget it. We won't do it. Uh, but San Jose State, uh, you, you know, you're going to hear from Coach Smith here in just a minute. Uh, but he, he talks about San Jose State. Just, I mean, and just the fact that it's a tough place to play. And he says in the conference, it's tough to play on the road here in the conference alone it, to him. And he explains why. Uh, he also talks about San Jose State, who to watch out for, who stands out to him on the uh, scouting report, and uh, rebounding from the loss to St. Mary's. So here it is in its entirety. This is Coach Smith getting ready for San Jose State tonight at 9.15. Wait, hold on. Too soon. There we go. Starting league play um, a lot earlier than normal, I guess, with the, with the conference play being a week shorter. And, and first on the docket is San Jose State. And... And, um, you know, they're a team that plays a lot of guys. They play nine guys that average double-digit minutes or more. Um, and, and, a, and the tenth guy averages 8.6 minutes a game, and he started six of their eight games. So they play a lot of different guys. We, uh, we just really got to be on point defensively with their personnel and understand what all their different guys can do and what their strengths are and try to eliminate those and uh, make them beat us at things maybe they're not so good at doing. So... Um, uh, they're a team that is big. They're, uh, from what I've seen on, on one of the telecasts, they're the ninth biggest team in the country. Um, their starting center is 6'10", 280. Um, uh, and so uh, we got to do a great job on the boards. They do, they do a very good job on the boards. They get almost 34% of their offensive rebound, of their missed shots, which is a good number. And once they establish their position, it's hard to reroute them because of their size and because of their their strength down low so um you know defensively they're going to play a ton of zone um they will play a little bit of man but they want to play primarily zone uh they'll pick us up some full court stuff and so um got to be able to handle that um certainly that's been a big emphasis since um since friday's game so and then and then going to their place you know last year we got off to a really slow start at their place the year before when i was the coach at south dakota we played them and we got off to a slow start and and um, it's a difficult place to play for different reasons. And so we got to have great energy, which I anticipate we will, uh, in particular coming off the game against St. Mary's. 
I mean, if you remember, I mentioned it's a smaller gym, but they don't have the energy like St. Mary's does. You know, you can't. No, you've got to get your own energy. Yeah, you got We that's a big thing is you got to create. You know, so the Mountain West Conference is such a great league for um, home court venues. So whether it's the Spectrum at our place or you're playing on the road, you know, it's it's one of the better leagues in the country, I would say, in terms of uh, electric atmospheres when you're on the road and. And this isn't always the case. So we do got to bring our own energy. We do got to create um, that kind of vibe and that kind of environment. Um, but our guys know what's at stake. And, you know, obviously it's the first game of, of league play. It is a, it is different dimensions. It's really, um, I don't know how to explain it. You got the court in the middle, but it's really deep on the ends. And there's like hardly any seating, you know, on the end. So it's just a different kind of. Um, vibe, but we have some experienced guys that have played in there before. They know what to expect, and and of course, two years ago we didn't fare very well, you know, um, while we were out there. So got to take care of business on the road, and and um, we look forward to to that opportunity. On their personnel, uh, overall, it would look like they've got to be a better team than they were last year because we've got two guys who've been at Wake Forest before that are on their roster. And then they've got, like, like you said, a few more of the sides. Now, Bauman transferred, the guy who really hurt you last year, transferred to USC, I guess. He must be sitting out or trying to play down there or something. Yeah, they had a couple of their guys um, transfer out. Um, I do think they're deeper. I do think they're more talented, without a question. And I think they can hurt you in more ways. And, and so that's what I'm saying. We've got to really be on our P's and Q's, you know, we got to really be on our P's and Q's in terms of personnel and be able to take away um, – what they really do well, and and that's a uh, score at the rim. They're you know they're and they have guys that can shoot it. It's just been a little bit inconsistent. One game it's this guy, another game it's that guy. And you know a lot of times when you're playing ten guys, you're looking for a consistency. And so depending on the night, that's who they're going to play. You know the majority of the minutes. One game it's this guy, another game it's this guy. And so um, we got to be able to take care of, take care of that business. Is it Seneca Knight is the most consistent guy? The the guard. Yeah, he he's definitely the leading scorer. He's uh like he can score in bunches now. Like he goes out there and he's like the microwave. When he makes one shot, two and three are coming really, really quick. Um Bray Ivy's a guy that played a lot of minutes last year, has a really good looking stroke, just hasn't made some. I think Chapel, number four, has been playing much more minutes lately. Um, last three or four games, he's been averaging right around 15 a game. So he is definitely getting a lot more minutes. So, and then they're really high on uh, Amari Moore, who's a freshman for him, 6'6", 185, number 10, who his minutes have really gone up as well here the last three or four games. So, and he's a guy that he's two for five from the three on the year, but um, he's obviously capable, uh, but he's really a good athlete. Like he's, he's just smooth out there and just kind of glides with the ball. Do you, have you noticed anything different from your team after you lost the game compared to other? I mean, I don't think I would imagine your answer would be anything different. Than you know, it's team. it's always a, it's a fine thing. Like, you're never as good as you think you are. Uh, rarely are you as good as you think you are, and rarely are you as bad as you think you are. Usually there's a lot of truth in the middle. And um, But it was a great learning experience. You know, we, we made some really costly mistakes, and especially the last... Um, five minutes or so, it felt like every time we made a mistake, they capitalized on it. And that's what great teams do. And certainly we did a really good job on Ford in that first half. And then the second half, he really got loose on us. But, um, I, you know, I think we've talked about a lot of different things. we got to, certainly got to tighten some things up. Uh, I thought the last two days we've had two of our better practices of the year, and it just felt like we got better 
and really kind of, like a lot of coaches say, after a loss, you go back to the basics and, and just got to tighten, tighten things up, you know. And so we got exposed with some things against um, St. Mary's. They're a very good team, and, you know, that's probably a top 30 team on the road. And, and um, we're battling some health issues right now, just like a lot of teams are. And so got to be able to figure things out on the fly, you know, and there's no rest for the weary, so to speak. But when you're playing a game every three or four days, you know, you just got to really maximize those times out there. But, you know, it's been very rare for us to be out rebounding and for another team to, to shoot more free throws. It doesn't happen real often, each one of those acts, but they both happened that night. And, and um, that might be a little bit of the semblance of what it takes. You know, I thought we played hard and competed well, but we just weren't quite disciplined enough to find a way to win against a top 30 caliber team on the road. You know, it's, it's always hard to win on the road, let alone against a a really good team like that. How hard is it to get ready for conference or to step away from? I mean, I know those things go back out. Those are some things that you want to fine tune and get ready. But no, you're right. That's you a two game. You know, you have two games this week that you don't want to. You know, you want to get them both because you don't want to. Oh, absolutely. Up. It's a. It's just a. It's a different. You know, you see some leagues around the country that have gone to this more so because they've expanded their schedule to 20 games, and for us, it's just because of an issue with the Mountain West Conference tournament dates because of hotel availability and so on and so forth so um so it's not ideal but i'm not sure any fan base is real pumped about it and i'm not sure any teams in the mountain west are real excited about it but i think it's just how it needed to be because of the situation so uh, i know the next year it's going back to normal again but the hard part is when you try to play 31 games like we always try to do which is the maximum in the regular season um, it just really condenses what you got to do, and what ends up happening is you lose out on your practice time, and that—that's what you know, which affects your team in the long run. You know, in, in in my opinion, and so like last year we had in the non-conference schedule we had two one one um, week breaks, right? Where we played on a Saturday, didn't play to the following Saturday, so you really get time to you know uh, accelerate maybe your growth and tighten things up. Whereas it's harder to do that now. We're we have two four-day breaks. We just got done with one where we came back from Jamaica and obviously now playing Friday to Wednesday. So, But it is a different kind of feel, certainly, to start league play like, you know, right now. Um, but it is what it is, and you got to get rolling with it. One quick thing about Alfonso. Mm-hmm. Starting, do you think that affected how he, I mean, how he gets into games or you know, um, that kind of thing? I mean, some guys sometimes relish yeah. different ways and stuff. I mean, that's a great question. I've thought a lot about that. Um, it's just, and then you just, you know, especially when you're a newer guy, now you're in a different routine and a different flow to the game. And it's not just Fonzo either. It's, it's the other guys too. And so you're changing some of your substitution patterns and it has a trickle-down effect. Uh, Fonz will never admit this. He was really not. He was very, very much under the weather the other night, um, and that's that's part of a season, you know. And and again, I'm not. We're not excuse guys or excuse people. And he, you know, nobody knows that, but it's just that's reality. And so that might have had something to do with it too. And I should have did a better job giving him a little more quick breaks instead of just riding them out. You know what I mean? Um, we're a little bit thin in some spots up front, and. Um, so you you live and you learn and you learn your team and you learn your guys and you know I should have helped him out in a better way but I don't think there's any doubt it takes a little time to 
to adjust the different, different. Um, roles and substitution patterns and who you're playing with and, and those sorts of things. So, but at the end of the day, they beat us. You know what I mean? We just made too many mistakes um, that are very correctable mistakes and not rocket science mistakes. And normally we do a good job of eliminating losing. Uh, but that night, we didn't. Did you, you stay with the same lineup for this, this game? Um, not to give it, I no, I, and I'm not hiding anything. I'm still <laughs> honest. I'm just, I, I don't know yet. I'm thinking a lot about it. It's because Al asked that question. It's a great question. I'm, I'm kind of at 50-50 right now, which way to go, quite frankly. So yeah, whoever you put in is in a different role than they yeah, did before, too. You know, so you don't know what it does. So it's, and that's part of the growing pains, and that's part of the, that's the one thing we said early on, and I've said it multiple times, is, Yes, we return a great nucleus in our, almost all of our production. So we have tremendous experience in some respects, but we got a lot of newness to our team too. And a lot of guys that have never been to San Jose and a lot of guys that have never traveled on the road and a lot of guys that have never been in that environment like St. Mary's was. So there's some newness in how do guys react in those kind of environments, you know. And, and it's, uh, but we're also to the point where 25% done with our season. Right? Eight of our guaranteed 32 games are over, so some got, you know, we got to start figuring some things out. That's Coach Smith there with the presser as they get ready for San Jose State tonight at 9.15 Mountain Time on ESPN2. Uh, tune into that game, and we don't really forget a uh, pregame with uh, Al Lewis and uh, Jalen Moore at 8.15 postgame. We'll be with John Russell in addition to those two uh, right after the game where you can call in and share your thoughts there on our sister station, 6.10 a.m., KVNU. Time to take a break, and then coming back, we'll uh, get you ready for Thursday's show as we wrap it up here on a Wednesday edition of the Full Court Press. You're listening to the Full Court Press on 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey everybody, I'm Jay Salas here as we wrap up the show for on a Wednesday, December 4th. Grateful, so very grateful to have you guys joining us uh, wherever and however you're joining and doing so. Uh, went through a lot today. We'll have a lot tomorrow for you as well. No pick six because Eric Franson's going to be gone. But I'm going to set some lines tomorrow on conference championship games. And you can agree or disagree with those lines. We'll have a little fun and interact in that regard. Uh, we'll recap the Jazz game as they get ready for the L.A. Lakers. Lakers won at Denver last night. Davis is ill, questionable for tonight, but they think he'll be ready. Uh, the Lakers are 18-3 and right now. Uh, Jazz have an 8-1 mark at home, and they actually have wins, including over the Clippers and Bucks at home. Uh, and But the Lakers have won their last nine road games, so something's got to give tonight. should be a dandy. Between these two teams. Uh, that game is at. What time is that game? Come on now. 7 o'clock. Uh, and you will find it here on 106 on FM 1390 AM. The fan. By the way, just so you know, there is some really cool announcements that this station is going to have for you in the very near future. I have got to get approval to announce those things before I do it. So I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, but we've got some really, really cool things to announce for you. Uh, I am, I, I, I honestly am just so gosh dang excited to, uh, 
to tell you uh, some of the things uh, that 106.9 The Fan, 1390 AM is going to have here. I'll give you a hint. It's in February or March. I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's okay. It has to deal with the months of February and March. Cannot wait. Uh, anyways, Lakers and Jazz tonight at 7 o'clock on NBA TV. How's that not an ESPN game? I mean, I know the Jazz aren't great, but come on now. I have a little bit of respect. Speaking of which, by the way, i, I, I got to make sure I get this. Next Friday, December 13th, Utah Jazz are at home against the Golden State Warriors. That game was slated for 8.30 p.m. on ESPN. It has been moved and cut from ESPN. Excuse me. It will be now on AT&T, and it will be at 7 o'clock. Again, next Friday, Jazz Warriors is not 8.30 p.m. It is 7 o'clock on AT&T. ESPN has uh, cut the game uh, from its station for the night, rightfully so. Uh, both teams, uh, where I guess the, the Warriors are obviously are not that good. So, uh, that will not be happening. Lakers, Jazz, tonight, 7 o'clock, uh, 6.50 pregame here on this very station. 8.15 pregame with Al Lewis, Jalen Moore for the Utah State Aggies, and San Jose, Star- San Jose State Spartans at 9.15. That game's on ESPN2. Postgame will be immediately following. I'm Ozzy Salveson. A big thank you for listening here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. La Ferran!